Well, indeed, I guess we are officially back. <laughs> you don't have to say amen. <laughs> My wife is glad. <laughs> amen. It has been a, a wonderful time away, and I'm glad to be back serving and indeed standing before you and opening God's word with you. While we were away on sabbatical, I want to thank you all for your prayers. Thank you for your service while we were away. And your prayers were used by God in ways tangible and untangible to strengthen us. We are reminded of your love for us, even as we were reminded of his presence with us. And our time at sabbatical was good. And I thought this morning that I would share with you a little bit of the lessons that I learned while I was on the sabbatical. And the things that the Lord reminded me yet of, in ways that he renewed my heart and mind, according to his word. Several things that I found myself once again being thankful for. The first one is family. Having the opportunity to spend some extended and uninterrupted time with, with wife and, and kids, whether it was traveling or, or retreating or whether it was going to basketball games or even just staying around the home. I was reminded once again of how God has blessed us through the years. I blessed our family, even as our children continue to grow, and one by one they grow up and they grow out. Stephen and Kimberly remind us then, and they grow back. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, not only family, you know, but the blessings, thankful for the blessings of friends. You know, being away uh, from the church, a lot of the church, in, in much regards to experience the preaching ministry of a few of our dear and close friends in the faith. And I am so thankful for those who were able to come and agreed to come and stand with each point church in the gospel ministry. Thankful for those friends that we have who who are like-minded in the faith. And it was a joy to, to see and even hear the preaching ministry at each point. The church was in good hands, Bob. That's a blessing. That's a wonderful blessing. An encouragement and comfort to my heart, and I'm sure it was to yours as well. Then I was also thankful for the church. Thankful for the blessing that is church. You know, being away for those for several weeks, we visited a church, a different church, every week. And I was reminded again and again of the blessings that are these point churches. <laughs> Praise God for all those churches we visited and the brothers and sisters we met and, and renewed our fellowship with. I praise God for the preached word and the, and the sacraments that we were able to experience and how they ministered to our souls. But every time I visited the church and whatever was the situation that I came away from the church, I kept telling myself and I was reminded that there is no place like home. 
having again seen what is out there, you tell them. We are truly blessed. And I thank God knew for East Point Church. And then for the thank thankfulness for the blessing that is help. One of the things that uh, Adrian and I was able to do on our sabbatical was spend time exercising. And, uh, we went to uh, a local gym and spent quite a bit of time and there was reminded once again of God's good goodness to us and giving us good health and the ability to serve without physical hindrance. Those are the kind of things that we take for granted to be able to stand in here week in and week out and preach without discomfort. But I'm reminded out of the way what a blessing it is to be able to do that. Now God has been good in that way. And then also thankful for grace. During my time away, the grace of God was abundant in many, many ways. There were, there were times, there were times while we were away that I strongly desired to be at East Point Church. But then I was reminded during those times by the Spirit of God that God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And as I prayed for each of you, and as I reconnected with each of you through prayers every day, I was again reminded, though I could not touch you personally, God's grace is enough. It really is enough. Now I'm reminded that each point church is not sustained by you. Sustained by the grace of God. Whether I am here or His grace is enough. And lastly, came again to mind and thankful just for the person and work of Jesus Christ. The did again and just renewed my heart and mind concerning the sufficiency of Christ. You know, we can get real busy and we can get preoccupied with the affairs of life and the church and, and family and, and the future. And we can fail to remember that it's really all about Jesus. It's Jesus. We can get caught up in what is, we can get caught up in what was, we can begin to think about what should be and miss what is all important. And that is God has given us all things necessary for life and God. That's good. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. The sabbatical, beloved, was restful. And the Lord was pleased to teach me many things during that all too brief time. And yet, if you were to ask me this morning, could you just boil it down for us? What 
think the Lord teach you? You can just sum it up in a sentence or sum it up in a word. And I thought, well, I'll sum it up in two. Taught me that God cares. And I'll remind you, as I said all that Christ is God. God cares. Christ is not. These are the lessons this morning I want to share with you as we go into our text this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. When Jesus reminded Martha, Mary, and all those who were present in that house there in Bethany, God cares. Christ is not. You know, the thing about Christ that is really interesting is that Jesus lived always with the cross in view. See, Jesus lived with the cross as it colored everything he did and everything he said. Can imagine that there was not one moment in our Lord's life when he was not conscious of the fact that he was going to die on a cross. No, we don't live We don't live conscious of the cross every moment of every day. But Jesus did. Conscious of the realities of what was going to happen on the cross. And you should always have that in mind when you're reading and when you're listening and when you're imagining Jesus in conversations and encounters with People always remember that in the back of Jesus' mind, whatever he's saying is being colored by the fact that Calvary is coming soon. Calvary is coming soon. With that in mind, knowing that that is the mission, at some point in his ministry, the Bible reminds us. And Jesus set his foot for Jerusalem. Now he was walking around and doing various things, engaging all types of people with the ministry of the kingdom of God. But at some point in his ministry, the Bible reminds us, now Jesus set his face for Jerusalem. That's what happened in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, that's what it says. Jesus set his face for Jerusalem. He set out for Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, we come to Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, the Bible says, while he was on his way, on his way where? To Jerusalem. What's going to happen in Jerusalem? He is going to suffer. He is going to be crucified. He is going to be put to death. Nobody else knows that. Nobody else understands that. Jesus does. And with all that on his mind, comes to Bethany. Comes not just to Bethany. The Bible says he stops off at the home of Mary and 
God's offering their heart. He doesn't just stop them. But he stops them and leaves a bit of cross with them. For he reminds them, God cares. Christ is not. Christ is not. Jesus gets to the home of Mary and Martha. You can imagine when Martha finds out that Jesus is going to come stay with her. What is what gets the priority on her agenda? The priority on her agenda is to make sure that Jesus is welcomed in her home. She becomes the welcoming committee. Now, I'm sure, like anybody who tries to put a committee together, she probably tried to rally the troops. And she learned very early on that not only did she not have a committee, but she is the committee. But that didn't deter her. And didn't deter her because she was busy. She got busy. She was a most accommodating host. Giving over. You can imagine. She's giving over to welcoming people into her home. She's giving over to, to this hospitality. And no doubt she probably had to gift them out. You know, by the way, the Bible is a lot of hospitality, isn't it? It's a virtue that all Christians should have. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let your home be a place where others are welcome. Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Be a gracious host. Why? Because in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to the strangers. Because you never know. One may turn out to be an angel. Or better yet. So here is Martha. No doubt she took these verses to heart. No doubt Jesus was pleased with Martha's hospitality. And Martha was eager to see. If she's anything like us. It seems to be that she's even more so. She didn't want people to come over her house and find it in disrepair. I'm always, it always comments with me how I get, you know, like home fellowship groups. <laughs> Graduation parties, family and friends coming over from out of town. Special guests come. See you rushing around to make sure the house is clean. You make sure all dirty clothes are put away. The bathroom is smelling fresh. The refrigerator is cleaned up. You need me like us. This is what we do. We want people to feel welcome. How much more than Jesus? So Martha is consumed 
She's consumed with making sure that Jesus is welcome. She's consumed with making sure that she is the hostess with the most. And everyone is feeling comfortable. Because she is working so hard and serving so diligently, beloved, she begins to resent the lack of service in Martha is serving and Mary is sick. Martha is giving and Mary is receiving. Martha is working and Mary is resting. Martha is carrying the weight and making the fellowship possible and Mary is simply sitting there enjoying the fruit of the fellowship. We can, we can preach on that for the next five minutes. <laughs> happening in church all the time. As they are, as, as people are fond of reminding us that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. A handful of people come early to do all the setup while the majority of the people come late and sit and enjoy the fellowship. A handful of the people are working out behind the scenes to make sure that all that you see up here is prepared for you as you come moaning in late to sit down and say feed. You get in a situation like that long enough and the resentment begins to say. Well, I'm here all The rest of the people don't get here so late. Well, I'm always the one that do stuff. Why do you always call me? Love because of the sinfulness of our hearts, even that which is good becomes the source of sin. Martha is doing a good thing. She is serving. The word there is theotomized. She is beating. She is giving her life and service to the master and others in her household. And yet because of the hardness of our hearts. Not wrong. It is a good thing. But in the midst of doing that good thing, she needs to be reminded of two more important things. We all times like that. You need to be reminded that I need to be reminded. One, God can. God cares what you God cares. You know, sin not only enslaves us, beloved, but sin cripples our faith. It debilitates our ability to, to think rightly. In one sense, we lose our minds. Like Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned, we are no longer able to think 
God's thoughts after him. And we no longer think like God, but we begin to think like the serpent. We begin to think like the devil. We begin to think like the enemy. And how does the enemy think? When things go south, when things do not go according to plan, when the ministry begins to frustrate you and people are not doing what you think they should be doing, when you think they should be doing it, first thing you begin to do is to accuse God. That's a wrong thing to do. the enemy does. He wants to convince you to accuse God. He gets you to believe that God doesn't care. Notice, notice what Martha says to Jesus. She's noticing Mary doing nothing, and Jesus not saying anything or doing anything. In verse 40, do you not care? My sister has left me to serve alone. One of the first things we do in life and ministry, I'm telling you, when things don't go like you want you begin to question the care and compassion of God. God, are you really here? Lord, are you really sitting here? Are you with us? Are you not doing anything? Don't you see what is happening here? Don't you see the exertion and the energy that I am putting up? Do you not see what I am doing? Do you not care? Paul Church says sin turns us in on ourselves. It causes us to begin who we are and that God exists. It turns us into little self sovereigns wanting to reign for our own glory. And when we become self-sovereign, beloved, one of the first things we do is that we question God's goodness. That's what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. He sent another question and goodness of God. And this is what he thinks all the time. In the midst of whatever you're going through, the serpent is whispering in your ear. And God is the same. Does anybody really care? You no longer think God's thoughts after him. But we need to be called back. We need to be called back again to what the Word of God says. And if there is anything that the Bible communicates, beloved, over and over again, from beginning to end, it is this truth. God is good. Now, I may not know all that's in the Bible. And I don't know everything that needs to be known in the universe. And there are stuff that I am learning every moment of every day. But there is something that I am positively assured about. And that is this. God is good. 
I care enough that I've come into this world to take upon me your sins and take the chastisement that is due and the judgment that is due for your sins. I care. I care enough that the death that is yours because of your willful disobedience and sinfulness and rebellion against a good and mercy God should be yours, but I'm going to take it for you because I can. And I'm going to do it before you have enough sense to ask. Who cares? Jesus cares. He's the only one who eternally cares. That's why. That's why. That's why. Everything into one of you. When you hear the serpent Satan is tempted to one that Remember what the psalm says in Psalm 144. If it had not been for the Lord, <laughs> who was on my side, where in the world would I be? Be not dismayed whenever you tired, whether God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. God is good, church. Because He is good. And the sabbatical reminded me of that once again. God cares. High tie, low tie, no tie, whatever be tie. God, God. You know what we do in our words? In our words? When our words and our anxiety wreck us, we spend all of our time and energy psychoanalyzing people and everyone and every situation. We think we have the remedy for every problem. And here we see God say to Martha, 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 keep calm. about many things, but only one thing is necessary. 
Your life to Jesus. Well, one thing is 
Thank you. 